Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialise in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. On episode 237, it is great to welcome our friend Emily Harbright back to the podcast. Emily was first on the show back in April 2020. Since then, she has remained a great friend of our community. She is the founder of Mind Tools for Kid, an organization that seeks to give you the tools and strategies to help create happy and resilient families. I want you to listen closely to this episode. There's an incredible opportunity for you to become a Mind Tools for Kids coach and for you to help others become happy and resilient through the power of the tools and the strategies that Emily has pulled together over the years. I believe in this so much that I'll be sending Abby, our community manager, to be trained in becoming a Mind Tools for Kids coach. I know that Abby has a heart for... Uh, developing the potential of, of young people and I really believe that equipping her with the qualification of being a Mind Tools for Kids coach will help her leave a heart print where those children are infinitely left better as a result. It's episode 237 with our great friend Emily Harbrecht. Emily Harbrecht, welcome back to the Ways of Yesterday podcast. Was it three years it's been, three and a half years? Yes, it has. I, and I cannot believe that. But um, I'm honoured to be back because the quality of the guests you have had. <laughs> Don't start. I'm pinching <laughs> myself now that I'm even back on this. Well, so, you are my sister from another mister. We're birthday buddies. Uh, we are, I love the way that you speak. Um, obviously, in preparing this, I've gone back and listened to some of the conversations you've had. And I just love the way that you describe yourself as just, it's almost like the same way I'd introduce myself, just just a people watcher, just love people and psychology. But there's a specific word that you use on your LinkedIn profile that says that you are a people wrangler. Let's start there. <laughs> what is a people wrangler? I just had this moment where I thought, who am I? And I've I've naturally just become a person who just welcomes into my life very interesting people. And mm -hmm. a lot of them, like we aren't all, walking wounded. We're mm -hmm. all a product of the stuff we've experienced, the, the things that we've had no control over. And it tends to be my work to come in and do some level of taming that's what people tend to ask of me. They're, they're sort of wanting me to tidy things up, put them on the right path, help them help them fit in with what they consider to be this world that isn't quite ready to receive them yet, which I think is really interesting. Mm. There's a lot of noise in the social world. There's, you know, there's, a, there's a thousand and one of us, you know, when I talk about coaches and 
uh, whilst I was snooping around your LinkedIn, I looked down and there's this testimonial from 2011 talking about the power of your coaching. It says that, um, you know, Emily's coaching wasn't just change. It was transformational. And like, so for anyone listening, like Emily is like the real deal. She's been around this game for a while. She's the real deal in a world full of like pop-up coaches. Like you're a master. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. That means a lot, especially coming from you, because I share many of the same values <laughs> that you do. And for me, this has never been about popularity. Yeah. Um, it's never been about ego. It, it's not about making money. This is this is my calling. And I've been like this since I was a child. Um, and I've had to learn to put boundaries in. I've always yeah. been the person that believes that, you know, I'm never going to cross the road when it's someone's hour of need. I'll be mm. there with them in the thick of it. And mm. not from my own perspective, but I want to show up to help them help themselves through life stuff. And as I've grown old and a lot older now, now I've hit the big four over this year. I've come to terms with it. Um, yeah, this is this is very much a, a part of who I am. So I have been doing this a long time. Um, I started taking clients in 2008. I've lost track now because to me, when I say like five years ago, I realised that, yeah, it's a long time now, isn't it? So um yeah. We're getting old, but it, it it is who I am, and um, it's evolved. Yeah. I still do a variety of work in the field, and obviously, as you can see from my background here, Mind Tools for Kids is still a huge passion for me mm. because when we look at us as adults, and I said earlier about a lot of us are walking wounded, mm. there's so much from our childhoods that's still playing out for us in yeah. adulthood definitely still for me even with the knowledge and awareness that I've got so it's um mm. it's a huge piece mm. one of the things I, I have a real heart for kids at the moment is that um you know the the current family setups the um the schooling system that we're not really equipping our kids with a sense of identity a sense of who they are and you and I share a love for the book, Hold On To Your Kids, um, in, in common. And and in that book, it says that if we don't teach our kids who they are, the world will. The world will teach them. So we've got so many people that are learning who they are through the power of social media or their image or their circles. And, you know, it made me think about when you just talk about you know, the, the newest and the latest expressions of you, it's like, that's what life has become, isn't it? It's become a journey of, you know, deeper connection with ourselves. And it's only natural then that our work becomes a more authentic expression of that. Is that Would that be kind of fair to say of you? Definitely. And, you know, over the years, I've always felt as a an extroverted introvert who likes to hide, I'll admit it, there's been so many times where I've I've felt like I'm on the outside looking in on what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Am I supposed to be all over Instagram pretending that I have a shiny existence, um, that I feel together every day? Yeah. I do not. I do yeah. not. And for me, my authenticity is about not even pretending to be that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do that because I feel that is a disservice to the people that I'm going to show up for. 
I'll, I'll never be a guru. I don't believe it exists, but yeah, it's, we're, we're walking wounded, Ryan. We are. And a lot of those woundings happen in childhood and it does really scare me having children and seeing how they are getting shaped. It's so intrusive. Now there was a, we could still cut off when we were kids there was still a way of coming home and shutting out the outside world to a degree. And obviously for many kids, home life may not have been the best. So I, I get that the internet's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for something like this, but the bombardment that those young minds are under now is, um, it does worry me. It does mm. concern me. So for me, I, I feel a resurrection of my passion for mm -hmm. mind tools for kids. And I want to reach as many kids as I possibly can to help them learn the skill of reconnecting with who they are, because mm -hmm. we've shown this, we need to be modeled these skills, these tools, these strategies. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe if we can do that, it will help us help these kids become adults that aren't trying to find themselves at the end you know mm. Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna make a lots of time and space for mind tools for kids but before we do that i want to go back to 2013 so i, I googled emily harbrecht <laughs> and this wonderful article comes up says nlp star emily working with paul mckenna so it's clear that you haven't always worked with kids tell us about some of the uh the early days of your coaching career oh my gosh um <laughs> When I started, I um, I felt really pulled towards phobia work. Mm. I'd done lots and lots of training, um, and yeah, I've I've been quite good at finding I call parent figures within the coaching world, especially when I was a lot younger in my early twenties, who took me under their wing. I was mm. blessed to have those opportunities, mm -hmm. and a couple of them in particular, Steve and Tina. They were doing lots of um, training really locally to me and um, I couldn't afford to do all these shiny courses, but <laughs> I was so committed that they let me turn up to any training that I could make. I was there and I think I counted, I did something like 56 days in the classroom with them. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. We used to have um, tarantulas and big snakes come in and things like that. And we'd yeah. have to live do phobia workshops with people that would come in. We'd obviously play with it ourselves. And um, yeah, they were, they still are. In fact, I think Steve's doing a big event with Paul McKenna this weekend in the city. He would have a team of support people that would come in to help when you've got these big conferences with 500 mm -hmm. people, a thousand people. So I got the opportunity to do that a few times and I'd be sat at the back and there'd be like an I can make you thin event where you'd be learning about unconscious patterning yeah, yeah, programming. Yeah. And my job would to be if there was a group of people that maybe didn't understand how to do the work or do the exercises, we would be given groups of people and we'd go outside and we'd have maybe 10 or 15 people. We'd we'd live coach through the content. Mm -hmm. So um, that was so exciting really really exciting i definitely was a pup back then and um it feels like many many moons ago <laughs> yeah i just um you you've used you know the words 
I love your words. It's you feel drawn to. Then you talked earlier about your calling, and and I guess there's freedom and permission for that to take whatever shape it, it's meant to in whatever moment that is. But I guess for anyone listening that maybe either feels called or or doesn't know whether they are called, I, I'd love to know your perspective on like what helped you follow that because I have this belief that there isn't the called and the uncalled. Like there isn't a group of people that are special that God's talking to just them. It's like, hey, you're called. And these people over here, you're not. I think everybody's called to do something. I think the question really is, are we listening? And then if we're listening, are we acting? Are we acting in line with that? So I guess take us back to that kind of time, if you might, and just maybe put it in perspective to help someone that might be... uh, experiencing those calls but there's a bit of resistance i think it's really easy to be listening to everything other than right right? and i think the world can be very very noisy and if we can find a way to slow down and quieten down even in tiny moments Mm. there are always subtle cues that are coming I describe them as um, almost like our beliefs and values being tested. When we get those moments where we think, "Mm, I want to do that, but, or "Mm," all of those tiny moments are almost like us butting up against the direction probably Mm -hmm. which we should be going. So for Mm. me, it was always the reverse of that. Mm. there's never been a shortage of doors opening i've conditioned myself to see opportunities solutions and possibilities however there have been many of them that haven't been the right ones for me yeah when i started to pay attention to that little niggle and to think how does this opportunity fit with my beliefs and values does this feel right for me what will I gain? What will I lose from doing this? What will change? What won't change? Yeah. What? Mm. Will, how do I like to spend my time? How do I like to recharge my energy? What will it look like in this situation? By doing that, that really helped me to realign with what my calling is. And it's not a cut and dry piece of work this is a continual thing I did the same yesterday I did the same this morning whilst walking I find movement whilst I'm doing the thinking it's like what I do with the brain friends work it mm-hmm. through the body notice what's happening physically in your body and use that to help get this moving we just need to learn to pay attention so I would say to people really think what will I lose what will I gain what does this feel like inside because mm-hmm. I think we've had a conversation before for me as a parent, there are amazing things that I can do Mm. and it's not the right time for me because of how I feel about how I want to show up as a parent. Mm. That's how I find my calling. I love that. And I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Elizabeth Gilbert, but she wrote a book called big magic. And she has this idea and this belief that, that ideas are almost like this universal spirit that is, you know, around us. And it and it comes through in the form and shape of a of a of an idea or a thought or a feeling. And its only desire is to partner with a human being who will make that manifest. 
So it, it has no kind of attachment to a, a human being. There's no special people. There is only those people who actually listen and are then um, willing manifestors of that idea, right? And if you don't willingly partner with that idea, it will go off and find someone else who will. And uh, I think what I kind of what you've just spoke spoken to is this idea of allowing that creation to come forth from the inside. Like when you align it with beliefs and values, that's not an intellectual algorithm. That's not like being able to pick out a color chart and say, should it look like this? Should it look like that? That's you going, what part of me do I want to bring forth? Like, how does this align with who I am and who I want to be? And, um, and I think sometimes that can then quieten down whatever's mm. out there. I, I've interviewed so many people who have said the same similar idea to me, which is that we have to get away from this idea that it's good enough and that actually the bringing of it is just good for us. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And this is the thing. Whatever it is, all of these infinite possibilities will never be the same depending on who allows that in, who embodies it. Um, and that's something that I would say, that's probably one of my biggest learnings of my 30s. I can say that now, now I'm the big 4-0, my 30s. And for me, it was almost at times I would have an idea, I'd visualize it, I'd feel it, I'd try it on. Um, yeah would align so beautifully and then I would have this moment where I'd succumb to the world of social media or the internet and I'd go outside of this amazing bubble that I was in this this place where I felt in flow I felt connected like completely into what I'm doing knowing almost feeling the good it's going to do and then I would go and think well other people are doing things like that maybe this isn't for me maybe maybe it won't be well received and suddenly it's like mm. all this alignment would shift and actually I check back in and think but I'm not doing it for any of those reasons <laughs> I'm I'm doing this because I want to do good and it feels good and I know that mm. this is a great thing and I've had to learn to come out enough to share what I'm doing mm-hmm and then to close off. And I think if I feel like that with the amount of self-work I'm doing continually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how on earth is a 13-year-old child supposed to navigate mm. the amount of external pressure we get? Mm. There's not much of an off switch now. As much as I love yes. what this this online world has given an introvert like me, yeah isn't really an off switch yes i agree i um you you said about how we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for technology we also wouldn't be having this conversation if i didn't show up walking wounded and um you know much of my expression of always better than yesterday originated from a walking wound you know and, and i i've shared my audience probably roll their eyes every time i pull out this scripture but is that idea when you know Paul pleads to God for the thorns to be removed from his flesh? Well, in the Passion Translation, God replies, In your weakness, you will find my full expression. Not in your weakness, you'll find strength, you will find God's fullest expression. So I've started to learn how 
so much of my expression of this work has come from my walking wounds now i i can see those wounds i can you know i don't mind showing them i i own them i i own the shadow that comes of it i know the the triggers that will come along with certain behaviors and and then the needs that i have to fill that but i wasn't that self-aware in the early days and yet i was still showing up walking wounded and i i guess you um you see that a lot working particularly within you know the male space and the corporate world Oh, gosh, absolutely. And I think there's times I've had to stop and think, oh, do I need to check in with myself here? Because my tolerance for human behavior is some people would describe it as being a little bit out there. But for me, I have always seen some of these big and to, to achieve great things in the corporate world, there has to be a little bit of something going on there to push above and beyond. So I'm seeing a lot of behaviors that are not necessarily landing well with others, um, not particularly PC, um, quite ferocious at times. But I honestly, all of that to me is just heat it's it's noise it's energy it's stuff i can almost see through to the child that sat there and it doesn't bother me or trigger me most of the time because i can see where it's coming from i know what's mm. behind it and the fact that i can see what's behind it it it, it connects me to that person and i'm i'm drawn to that work so glutton for punishment on one hand but yeah I've still held on to that relationship with especially working with men that crave power or have quite substantial ego needs because mm -hmm. I would never have got to the point of doing the children's work, even being a parent myself without mm -hmm. about where that's come from, where it's stemmed mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much about reconnecting with our stuff and our path. Um, making sense of what we've experienced and holding the mirror up to people like that. Yeah, that's powerful because, um, you know, I imagine it's pretty disarming having someone like you in the, in the corner that can see straight through all that egoic nonsense and puffing up and, you know, and, and to be someone that will tell you what you don't want to hear and still be top of the Christmas card list. Like, that's a that's a skill set that you've got there <laughs> it's interesting it's interesting but I think I'm in my own little world and I'm quite happy with that I'm quite happy with that I have a big heart and I have a lot of room for people and if somebody's acting in an unkind way I'm interested in how we can, how we can, rather than going, that's not, that's bad. That's this, that's that. I'm interested in how can we take that and how can we soften that? How can we bring that person back? Mm. I don't believe it's like naughty children. I don't believe anyone wants to be the naughty, bad pantomime villain figure. I believe mm -hmm. there's an element of healing there. And I feel I'm old enough and ugly enough now to lean into that discomfort, my own and others. Yeah, I'm not agreeing with you on the age and the beauty. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, 
I'm wise enough not to go there. I'm going to skip straight on. But, um, you know, you know, and this is a this is an awkward conversation, particularly within the business world, because the belief I have, and it's informed by the work of Dr. Gary Chapman, which is for all the love you don't receive as children, we become adults that seek it in the world. And it's just like when you start to then perceive everything either as an expression or love or seeking love, it, you, you can then start to be a bit more compassionate passionate while it's like oh i don't like or agree with that behavior and, and how you're interacting with other human beings you can just see it as well there's a human being with unmet needs absolutely absolutely and that coupled with some challenging conversations right i do believe we're all you know i i will never stop learning i will yeah. never stop growing there is always more nothing is ever finished it's never the last version mm -hmm. uh, and I'm at peace with the 80% and I'm excited about the 20% that's still to come mm -hmm. or, or and that's my only the only caveat I have to working with people is that they're open open to being challenged open to being uncomfortable open to being vulnerable yeah that's it the rest we can figure out we can lean into that together yeah but the lack of the lack of vulnerability the lack of a willingness and a desire to be <clears throat> emotionally naked vulnerable you know in relationships in general for some people let alone in the workplace um and and i think a lot of that stems from you know childhood interactions our belief around vulnerability and particularly for young boys i think it's you know it's really tough for you know i'm i'm sure you're you you live interacted with many men of a generation where they were told that uh, it was weak, you know, to cry or even to show any emotions. Oh yes, yes. I sat with an interesting group of gentlemen over the last few days, ranging very powerful, traditionally societal powerful men, ranging from their forties through to their seventies, mm -hmm. and you know the, the way it's it's interesting to take a step back and watch the dynamics mm. and and actually how much freer they are when they realize they don't have to do that mm. and when they're called out on it in a a provocative but mm. loving way a gentle way this isn't about i can't meet these people gently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be right it's it's in the NLP world. One of my things I like to use is in my toolkit. It's about pacing and leading. So right. I have to meet them where they're at mm. and gently say, "Come on, it's okay. It's okay. It's mm. fine." But that might involve me being a little bit feisty to mm. to do that. Mm. Um, and and most most of the men I work with are receptive to do that. They are, mm. and they understand. They know where it's coming from. They know where the wounding is. They know where it is. They're also very interested in the work my mind tools for kids stuff because they see the value in it. So sometimes the com the freest conversation we'll have will be about that. And I know they're getting an element of healing by us having that conversation. Yeah, it's like a Trojan horse, isn't it? They're, they're, oh, yeah, it's just for kids. I'll have a conversation, you know, and it's like, oh, actually, there's some wisdom there. And I think that's true because, you know, I think when, when you talk about, I think the because we've all got that little inner child still carrying with us. Gordon Neufeld says that the purpose of 
parenting is maturation. <laughs> Many of us have got to adulthood without that process of maturation. So, <laughs> so it's uh, it's all a nudge higher, shall we say? But um, let's put Mind Tools for Kids front and center. I think did you start it mid 2015, 16? Why, 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 why? Well, obviously, I'd had the I'd had the clinic for men. <laughs> sounds dodgy clinic for men mostly men it became that way and um, it became a piece of work a process was starting to emerge where I'd be going through some of their earlier imprint experiences and we'd be doing some work around that and Mm. we'd actually end up realigning them most of them were parents and we'd look at Mm -hmm. how can they break that cycle how can they show up in a better more informed way Mm -hmm. um so i started bringing it in sort of unconsciously naturally to help them and it was very apparent to me that i don't like the idea of waving a magic wand and someone walking away and thinking wow she's great i want them to walk away and go how much greater am i now that i have this tool and i want to share it with others because it's that good mm-hmm. i don't want it to be a secret i want it to be something people use so i thought well i'm a parent now myself uh lexi at the time had just started school so she'd come out of my bubble and I'd had to let her go. And I thought, oh, gosh, yeah. I go through all of this stuff now. And yeah, like, yeah. my environment and different beliefs and values are coming in. And we're facing day to day things like, oh, I don't want, like manifesting tummy aches because she didn't want to go in. Things like right, that. Yeah. So I thought, well, hang on a minute. Let's use all of the stuff I've been using for years. Mm but without jargon and be more playful with it. And um, I'll I'll see how it goes. I'll see how it lands. And um, I started to do some videos, um, put them on my Facebook. Um, A friend of mine was like, you've got to do some videos. I was mortified, but I thought, no, no, I'll do it. And they landed really, really well. And I thought, let's make this so easy that it's not just me that can do it. I'd like it to be so somebody else could watch it and they could do it too. Otherwise, it's about me. And what's the point? I won't do it if it's about me. And and that's sort of where it started. So I thought, let's get rid of the jargon. Let's clean it up. Let's make it more playful. Let's make it so the kids can do it and the parents can do it too. And I'll just see how it goes. And I thought, if all else fails, I've done something positive. I've left a positive mark, hopefully. (laughs) And that's it. We'll just... I just see where it where it goes. And that's sort of what happened. And then what next? Where has it gone? Well, I've had to have another child now as another demo subject. <laughs> <laughs> just to, you know, CPD, right? Spectrum <laughs> now, because I've got Lexi's a teenager now and Nancy's just started school this week. And wow. pretty much when Nancy came along, by that point, I'd already done loads and loads of one-to-ones with children I'd worked with parents I'd taken workshops into schools I'd held my own workshops over six weeks ten weeks individually different subjects confidence anxiety whatever um I'd made a kids coaching card product to help parents in the homes I wanted to give them something to do in the home um yeah those (laughs) I forgot about those until the other day. Um, 
And then when Nancy came along, I had started, I'd taken my own coach training. I'd done some trainer training to start mm -hmm. to train other people to be coaches. And I thought, how can I best utilize this? And I thought, well, I would like more people to have the skills to be able to help children mm. in whatever capacity, whether that's in the home, whether that's as conscious community members, whether that is in the schooling system or within whatever they're currently doing. We're all around children, we're all influencing every single day. So I spent a period of time while I was very big out here with Nancy writing and writing up all of my stuff and putting together the coach training program. I think every year I've carried on evolving it, tweaking it, putting it out there. And um, yeah, here I am today. Four Love it. Years, four years into it, yeah. So I think since we last spoke, I'm not sure whether the book was out. I think it was out round about the time we spoke so i have the book here the brilliant brain friends an inside out tale about your brilliant brain See, that was after, after actually yes yeah. so that, that was after our conversation i've got your mind tools with kids coaching cards i'm going to use them on you in a second that'll be some fun so get ready for that um and i guess you know just to speak directly to those people who um are perking their ears up that would love to work with children would love to consider becoming a coach and matching that skill set to help children. Um, you got a couple of cohorts coming up? Yes. One in October. Yep. And one in March. When does uh, the October one start? 30th of October. Great. So this episode will be going out end of September. So you've still got plenty of time. If you're listening, you've got plenty of time to head over to the links that we'll share them in the show notes go and check it out what sort of things do you get equipped with when you become a mind tools uh, for kids coach i i love this program because number one i get new friends because we're in each other's lives the teaching element is for three months but um you know three four years later i'm still whatsapp with everybody because it's amazing where this takes you I've put my heart and soul into this and I've really tried to make this a program that will set you up to be a coach from entry level. So you will learn a lot about yourself because before we can even think about serving others, there's a whole lot of work that we need to do that's ongoing. So I've designed it that out that 12, over that 12 week period, we we mix up theory with actual reflection, going out, practicing, implementing, bringing your own personality and experience into it. Because I believe, like we said earlier, we all have our own gift, our mm. own way of birthing mm -hmm. our ideas. And I don't want cookie cutter people. I want to give you all the tools and strategies to leverage your own gift, your own life experience to then go out there and be able to positively, positively impact young people. So it's a, it's a meaty program. There's a lot mm. in it. The brain friends are now in it. So um, after the first couple of goes in the middle of lockdown, that thing where we're all stuck indoors. Um, <laughs> I remember I thought, how can I how can I become more trauma informed? How can yes. I integrate more about the brain and what's going on and the science into this? Um, 
So I looked at something called trying brain theory and looked at some of the trauma informed practices mm -hmm. that schools are integrating. And as I said earlier, a lot of children, especially will get tummy aches and things like that when they're feeling their, their big emotions. So we looked at the three parts of the brain in the triune brain theory. And I thought, how can I teach this without it sounding jargony so that it sticks? Because mm -hmm. if we can teach kids about how we physically experience our feelings and mm -hmm. they understood those cues, if we could then help them understand about attachment and emotions and then let them know that guess what? Your brain's still developing to your into your mid-20s. It's normal. It's mm -hmm. normal to be angry. It's normal to have big emotions. Mm -hmm. It's normal to have fight, flight, freeze responses. Mm -hmm. That's a big weight off their shoulders. <laughs> We're mm -hmm. normalizing normal stuff, biology. So I thought, well, let's let's do it with some characters. Yeah. Um, the brain friends were born so that that's now in the program too so you've got lenny lizard that's all about the reptilian brain how we run the body you've got milo monkey the place of emotions and attachment and then we have Orla owl that's our prefrontal cortex it's all about how we express learn our cognitive stuff mm. so uh, yeah they they came into the program during lockdown i did the children's book self-published that um do workshops in schools with that and that's very much that's very much the front face of how we teach the children the tools and strategies very good it's very good because like you know you could say oh you know when the production of cortisol goes through the body it inhibits the access to the prefrontal cortex you think well what does that really mean I know, right? I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I I love taking traditional learning subjects. I am a geek. I am. I do love learning. Yeah. And I also like things to be really simple. Yes. If I walk away confused, we have a problem here. Because if I, I want the kids, there's not really an element of Mind Tools for Kids that children can't learn. I've adapted it into a junior coach program because I think mm. there's no reason why they can't, mm. why they can't do that. And this is the thing. So you can't use jargony terms like you just, yeah. like you just said, we need to make yeah. it. What we do is we tend and tame the characters. We tend and tame Lenny mm. Liz. What does he need to relate? Tend and tame. Yes. Hey, my friends, hope you're enjoying the interview so far. If you are resonating with the heart work of Emily and Mind Tools for Kids, and it's in your heart to really make a positive difference to young people, then let us encourage you to consider becoming a Mind Tools for Kids coach. You can head to the link in the description to get all the information, all the details you need about the program. And we would love to see this become an extension of your heart work. With Emily, she will give you the knowledge, the skills, the tools and the strategies to be able to make a difference as a Mind Tools for Kids coach. It doesn't matter whether you are a coach already. All that matters is that you have a heart and a mind for helping young people. Throughout the 12-week course, Emily will take you through a number of modules, including meeting the brain friends, learning all about beliefs and values, mindfulness, social connection, relationships, growth mindset and resilience and so much more. As I say, 
Head to the link in the show notes to find out more about becoming a Mind Tools for Kids coach. And here we go, back to the interview with Emily Harbrecht. Tendon tame, I like that. Carry on, sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, so ten, tendon tame is there's a page in the back of the book, how to look after your Lenny Lizard. Mm-hmm. How to look after your Milo monkey. What do they need to relate well with each other? Because the idea is when the brain friends are friendly and they're working well together we have a fully integrated brain 100% yeah I've often said the phrase and this is more out of intuition rather than education it was like if you've got a a troubled heart be still and if you've got a troubled mind move the body and that kind of just come from my own is there any truth to the, what I've just said wow I mean definitely definitely I mean we're all we all we're all different we all, we all process things differently. One of the things I teach in the coach training is leave your preconceptions behind about what you think we do when mm. we're in certain states. Leave that at the door. We've got to calibrate it for the individual. There's no right or wrong. But certainly, especially in the school system, mm. we notice with children that if they struggle to sit still, they need to move their body. That's for a reason. There mm. is something that they're trying to process. It's normal. And it's mm. helping them understand that and take some ownership of it. So yeah. even with Nancy at the age of four, I mm. focus very much on her Lenny Lizard. What can you do? What do you notice in your body? What happens before you start feeling shifty or you're, you're feeling big emotions? What can we do to yeah. look your Lenny so that you can better communicate your feelings and your, your needs with your all at our? So it's just giving them, empowering them mm. to notice and to advocate for themselves, to learn how to do that. Yeah, I think one of the disservices we do to our children is expect that they're capable of tending and taming something they haven't even got a word for. You're like, how many of us as adults can even name the emotions that we are experiencing, right? You know, I think as you grow in your emotional intelligence and your connection with self, then the list of words you can identify, you know, the type. if we were to sit down and write a list of all the emotions we've experienced in the last 24 hours, I imagine we could probably write more emotions now than maybe we could 10 years ago and then 10 years before that because you get to know yourself, right? But I think sometimes we expect too much of kids. Like if they could regulate themselves and they could do all that, then then I'm sure that they would. And I guess our challenge as parents and as leaders and and significant people in their lives is is we have to be able to first tend and tame ourselves i guess that's what you're saying with the coaching and stuff is we have to be able to get ourselves to a point where we've tended and tamed whatever big stuff's going on within us so that we can be the person that child needs us to be right this is it and one of the one of the biggest pieces with the coach is some are parents some aren't but it's very much about how do you get to the point where you leave your stuff behind so you can show up for others so it's let's be aware of our leakage because it happens you know, I'd be worried if you came to my training and weren't forcing your own beliefs and values and experiences and trying to filter through those because it's natural for us to do that. Yeah. It's the awareness of us doing that. And it's the awareness that we're all processing differently. And I think when we started this conversation, you said about children finding who they are, I want to hold the space for them to do that. So 
that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is us stepping back and looking at the language we use with children, making sure it's clean language rather than leading, that we're encouraging them to, to connect to themselves because we need that. We all need to connect better with ourselves, especially in these noisy, noisy, noisy times mm. and understanding more about, hey, what do you really believe? What's what do you care about? What do you value? Mm -hmm. What things do you see going on in life that you feel passionate about providing a solution for? Because you can ask an eight-year-old child and actually there will be things, there'll be big mm -hmm. world life things that they will have passions about. And I mm -hmm. think it's never too young to start to connect with that. Definitely. It's magical. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from you the last time you were on the show is about um, asking a child, you know, what rather than saying, what do you want to be when you grow up, asking them what problem do they want to solve in the world? Like that really kind of resonated and stuck. And I know it really resonated with a lot of people that listened. Definitely. And I think it's not changed for me. I dug out a crusty old school report today. <laughs> And um, just to prove to my oldest that I'm, I wasn't always that I am a talkative person because she thinks I was this goody two shoes. I was, but equally so. It's That's said what in, she needs to know. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It said yeah. in the report that you know Emily wants to, um, she wants to change people's lives. She wants to show up and be there for people, and yeah. that's, that's never left me. It's it's, yeah. it's been there since I was a child, and the only thing that's got in the way is my own belief or lack of and yeah. some gentle ways of me learning some skills how to quieten down at times how to reconnect to my intuition mm. how to realign with my own beliefs and values as I grow and as I move from my home environment what I've been taught there and what the world show me how I constantly evolve in my own my own way and I think that's it's that's what I want to teach children. That's how I want to to help them connect with themselves, to normalize the big stuff, to have better strategies to be able to to manage that, and to be able to open up and realign with what is important to them, rather than just being spoon fed from the internet or mm. Mm. one of the things you've um just got scattered throughout all of your work is this word brilliant brilliance and brilliant like what is it that inspires you about the brilliance of children well or how or how might a child find their brilliance i'm also massively into like what a word like the semantics what it, what does that word do like brilliance to me is like number one I like the I just physically yeah. I'm still a child that word to me is uplifting. yeah it's uplifting brilliance it's like it's got energy to it like what's brilliant one of the things I do in the training is I say to the coaches you've got to model this stuff yeah when you're showing you you're teaching confidence you're teaching brilliance you've got to be it and do it You've got to give them permission. We're leading on the dance and brilliance can be anything. It can be 
just a wonderful sparky moment. It can be a tiny burst of energy. But if you ask a child, what's brilliant or what's the brilliance in you? Mm -hmm. like, to me, there's no right or wrong answer. It's the state that I can help them learn to mm. get into and give them the flexibility in behavior of accessing their own brilliance whatever that mm. is it's a feeling of energy movement and positivity within self and mm. teaching them how to access that we get we can get very good at doing bad feelings mm -hmm. <laughs> you put the news on oh yeah gray, financial issues work yeah. dark miserable winter heavy actually brilliance is something we can change our state in seconds and mm. connect with that so connecting kids with whatever it is that gives them a tiny spark of joy in that moment so for people that have been around the podcast long enough they'll know that i talk about concepts of heart set and heart work and emily what you're just displaying and demonstrating as a masterclass in heart set connection and heart work expression because you are a fully authentic integral human being that is the living embodiment of your heart and uh, I love your heart work expression I absolutely love it and I know that it's definitely um, transformative for, for people who experience your energy from it and through it and and so will go that ripple effect it, it's uh, it creates new possibilities which is the thing that really inspires me this this new possibilities that a child who has more emotional intelligence more emotional awareness better self-talk a bit more of a growth mindset like that could change a child's trajectory of their entire life it does and for some of these kids like they can they can take that at a very young age and yeah. that has a ripple effect for them in their own family yeah for the children that they're around they're never too young to take something that works well and share it that's that's what it's about definitely it's about what do what you know we often look back what do we wish we knew with the benefit of hindsight <laughs> So it's lovely to be able to reverse that. It's also lovely to be able to work with some of the coaches and reconnect them with playfulness, with joy and the belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. They can change. They can do this good work. They can heal. They can be the difference that makes the difference that maybe they needed. There's a cathartic element to it. But for me, I have a great deal of excitement when I teach this program. And that's mm -hmm. how I know that I'm in my zone of brilliance because I'm excited to share it. There are many things in my life that leave me flat. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff where I'll think, oh, I don't walk around, yay, all the time. But when I'm teaching that stuff or I'm sharing one of the tools or the concepts, I I know I'm doing the right thing, Ryan. I know I'm aligned because I feel energy through every fiber of my being. It just yes. feels. Like how excited, like I get off of a call teaching and I think, wow, I got to do that. Yeah. I got to do that. Well, I, and so this is the problem of a world that prioritizes intellect because it, it starts to interpret the shoulda, woulda, coulda, should I be doing this? What should I look like? It's almost a projection of what do other people want me to do? But what you've actually just revealed is that the true guide is that feeling. 
I think Bruce Lipton said that nature has a way of letting us know we're in the right place with the right people at the right time. And nature's clue is your energy. Are you resonating and in harmony with that? Uh, in which case would we'll double your energy? Or is it competing and contradicting and therefore it's going to you know, cut it out? And, and, I, and the reason I'm highlighting that is because you've just hit the nail on the head. So many people overlook that. Oh, you know that's high in the sky. That's fe- that's you know that's woo. That's you know that's too good to be true. That I mean, that's not going to create a real life. I I can't do that, and I overlook that at our peril. Oh gosh, I mean this is so like one of my greatest lessons is I can do a lot of stuff, but feelings of joy, sparking joy whilst doing the stuff, is a is a mm. big game changer. Mm. And reconnecting with small sometimes for some people it can seem like too big a jump oh of course you know not everything you do is going to be yay it's not but it starts by having joy in the moment it starts by yeah. wow this this sip of water oh what a great sip of water wow this feels brilliant in this moment like oh what a great moment and i i do this with the guys by the way with the yeah 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 I'll say, come on, in this moment, you can switch and you can be like, and it breaks the ice and we start to laugh because kids do this naturally. Mm. They can get excited over nothing. They can find joy in small things. They can be through horrendous, go through horrible experiences. We say, oh, kids are resilient. A lot of them are good at masking. They're good at tolerating, but they're also bloody good at accessing joy and excitement and Mm. having a moment of, play and happiness and i think we need more of that we can give ourselves little bits of that even Mm -hmm. without having a career change or doing your dream job we can do this we just need to 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 go there first we -hmm. need to try it on we need to model it first and if we don't have it within us find someone that you notice in your life that does it and rather than eye rolling give it a go yeah yeah, hundred percent. You said something a minute ago that was saying, you know, even if things aren't great, there there are gonna be things in our work that are not our favorite things to do. Like you can't separate yourself from that. But I think the gift we give ourselves is when we do more of that stuff that we love, that is the living expression of who we are. We actually don't give up when it gets tough. It's like one of those. It's the gift that we give ourselves. Is something's gonna be difficult along the way, but when it is a joy and a passion. You don't mind sticking it out? Definitely not. That's the thing. It's hold that memory, hold, make that picture so bright, so bold. Mm. Uh, feel it. This is one of the techniques is to yeah. associate into it. We can be so good at looking back at experiences, memories in our life from a very dissociated perspective like it's a picture but one of the things we do with mind tools for kids is let's remember the good stuff let's experience the things that we like love and enjoy in a whole body associated perspective because then chemicals within our body shift our whole physiology shifts our behavior changes we become more uplifted the outcome's different for us then we're lighter we we then start to notice opportunities more Mm, it has mm. as a real you know, like rolling sort of snowball effect in our life. And it can start with something simple. We're taught 
that you know be grateful for the big stuff but just the tiny things mm. you know, each tiny time we align with ourselves is something to to celebrate mm. why because it's greater connection with self and in that world that's that's an achievement mm. <laughs> it is and I, and I guess the i think people know what it feels like to be disconnected with self whilst it might not be described and defined in that way disconnection with self is more division it's anxiety it's depression it's lack of clarity confidence all those byproducts of a disconnection between who i believe myself to be who i am you know what others believe me to be and yeah so I, I see that a lot of this work is a, an act of defiance and there is i'm quite a defiant individual anti-establishment i've just i got not know them as my childhood but i didn't like being told what to do <laughs> but it means that i have a, an energy that is is one of do you know what the world tries to make me feel like i lack something the world tries to keep me a consumer and a customer of something the world tries to tell me that i need to look and act in a certain way so that i meet some ideal and success and i think a lot of what we're doing about trying to create life from the inside out having being someone that we love doing what we love needing nothing from anybody else being the gift and serving i think that is a small act of defiance in a world that tries to keep us in a state and an energy of lack all the time i'm very i'm defiant by nature i can't help myself <laughs> is this the 12th of may thing is this a, are we tor a torians torians it depends if you're in <laughs> personality theories i'm the you know very much um i i feel i like watching what goes on um i certainly don't like to take part in all of it i'll be honest with you um yeah, yeah, yeah. and i've had many times in my life where i could be in things and i've just felt repelled i just like to be just on the outside of it and i think one of the things i've been looking at is how can i take my my playful defiant nature into a traditional environment that is maybe bound by some certain rules and regulations yeah 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 are at odds with my my natural personality type for instance like the school system how can i get over that yeah and take my stuff and match it in and get it in there so that I can be part of a difficult change process. How can yeah. I do this in that? Yeah. That's very much where I'm at now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of conditioning going on either subliminally or, or whatever. Um, and I, I guess one of my mentors once said that uh, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which wow. is effectively what you're doing, right? Every single day, helping re, you know create a new. Because I think you know we we it's very clear now the science is showing that uh, you know particularly with um, epigenetics is that it's our thoughts and our consciousness that will create our reality. Our DNA will you know change its expression in in relation to the uh, the thoughts and the environments that we keep. This is the thing, and the the basis of all of my stuff is that what goes on in here creates our reality. Yeah. What we experience, it changes our, it goes through our, our filter system. We make that internal representation of it. 
it, 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 we can't help but have it show up in our body. We're a whole unit. And then that changes how we show up. The greater the flexibility we have in our own behavior, our own way of perceiving the world, the, the easier it's going to be, the more resilient we can be, the more opportunities we will see rather than closing them off. So it's all about giving kids flexibility. Sometimes that's outside of some of the societal conditioning that they may have. And it's being open to that. The great thing is kids are very open to learn. They are. A lot of this, we get weathered over the years. We get shaped and conditioned by things. So mm. it's it's like a, a, a continuum for me. Work with the adults that can reach the kids, but also make sure that the message that's going to them is empowering them too. So yeah. that then growing as a more empowered individual, they feel the more influence over their own existence more you know i've got um you know i share a psychology background and there's always a debate within psychology around is it nature is it nurture and i have a 10 year old and eight year old and they are very different personality wise they have different motivations different desires different natural expressions one thinks he can sing one can actually sing you know like those sorts of things and um it's made me realize and I, and I wonder your kind of perspective on this term is i i think as parents as leaders and as coaches you know whether this is people in our workplace or in our home i think we are here to nurture their nature definitely definitely and i think we cannot underestimate the leakage whether we think we're doing it or not what we think is that the environment that we are putting our children in by the time we've got them we can't really do much about the um the dna that's done what we do is we can we can do our best and be very conscious about the environment that they're in and we can do the work and the only thing we can really do is to do the work on ourselves it's to be aware I have never been more triggered than being a parent. Any person that thinks it's not going to bring up all of your unresolved stuff, it is. It's going to, you know, I mean, back to school week, I, I hear from most of the adults I talk to, their wounds of bullying started mm. feeling ostracized, um, whether they loved school or hated school. It's there. It's back. Mm. That's going to impact how they show up as a parent around others around children even the conversations that you have with a child whether you've got them or not oh you're nervous about school I hated school I was bullied we're constantly triggered and leaking our own perspective which has an impact mm. on minds so you know we're never going to be perfect parents we're never going to create this perfect environment but being conscious and aware of the fact that we're shaping them i think is a very important very important thing in every interaction you know there are, <laughs> i had to come clean to one of my groups the other day because you know there's this belief that you know when you're a heart-centered leader you must be perfect right and i was like i'm a human being i'm a i'm a flawed human being and sometimes i don't make the best decisions <laughs> and it's like but it's it's that's what the that's what the awareness brings the opportunity isn't it it's okay from this moment you you adjust and you adapt. It doesn't mean to say everything's going to be, go as you want it to, but as a as a constant, you know, recommitment to wanting to bring out 
Uh, Carl Jung once said that um, the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived lives of its parents. What do you oh, what, what do you think about that? Oh gosh, it's funny. Um, I was saying this the other day. Um, I was noticing any unconscious stuff within myself about how I perceive things like extracurricular activities, yep. what I enjoyed as a child, <laughs> what maybe I felt unfulfilled in do the work before I project, before I decide what my four-year-old might like to do. Is this about me? How can I be a point neutral so that she yeah. can make the right decisions and try everything? Yeah. And for me, it's really exciting stepping back and letting the kids find their own way and someone said to me the other day oh, it was the school for Nancy I had to fill in a, a like a cover sheet of what's your child's favorite this what's their favorite that what's their preferred this and I actually yeah. thought well I don't know yeah I'm not convinced she does either yeah and I thought is this the yeah. in me here is this the defiant me yeah is this the overconscious um, parent here but actually I thought well I'll ask her I said come in here we've got to share some information the reason we're doing this is because they want to help you settle into that environment so they're asking some questions because then they'll they feel they can connect with you better Nancy and she said tell them I like everything and I'm not sure yet and yeah 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 answer that we put down and I thought oh I'm doing something right here. I'm doing something right. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we're, we're trying to have them fit an hour box. And she's like, I'm not ready for a box. Don't put me in one of those. But I just pulled out uh, five of your cards, right? So your coaching cards, they have five areas. They've got shine, grow, create, value, and chill. And the one I'd pulled out here, I don't know if that's written backwards, but it says okay. create the power of yet. And your little one with her wisdom said, I'm not sure yet. What is the power of yet? Oh, I love this one because when people come and do the coach training, the first thing they want is they're really, really desperate for a how-to guide and a script for everything. <laughs> and I won't give it to them because <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't exist. That's silly. We'll give all that to you at the end. But the reality is just one word one word can have a huge impact mm. and even like I'm not ready I'm not ready to be a coach yet that presupposes that there's so much possibility mm -hmm. and what I always urge people to do is as they verbalize as they say something try it on take a moment stop and think what does that feel like in my body mm. what's that like inside when I say that when I say I can't do that, and then you add I can't do that yet, hmm, suddenly for me there's a shift, and it's like let's reconnect to the power of the possibility that that tiny word gives, because that might be that might be the only thing that's needed in a coaching session with the mm -hmm. child is to teach them that. Mm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Let them run with that, the power of that, the power of infinite possibility. Wow. Yeah, it is. I think David Hawkins says that uh, light cannot open, uh, enter a closed box. 
to life will either allow you an invitation to open that box willfully or it'll crack you open either way so having a child like just embrace the power of yet like at that age just opens them up for the transformative power of whatever life wants to show them that is like that's the gift that's going to keep on giving for eternity so exciting just adding that on like it just shifts one of my things that i've taught my kids that they absolutely hate me for is just i use the word good and you know maybe it's a bit of child abuse maybe it's just a bit <laughs> but um like my, my daughter will come to me she said ah oh, dad i banged my leg and i'm like good she's like dad how's that good i said well because at least you could still walk on it at least it's not broken and like they're like so my wife she rolls her eyes at me all the time she's like you're an idiot but i i've got this reflex now in my kids i've probably said it every you know all the time for the last four to five years it's a bit silly it's i'm not being i'm not genuinely saying i'm really glad that that's happened but i'm just having them default reflex is going how can i see the good in this situation and i have to walk the balance because i don't want kids that can't see the the shit in a situation sometimes you've got to call it a turd a turd right but but how can they start to see the gratitude how can they start to see the opportunity and that over you know I, I i trust that as adults that that will that will mean that they compared to their peers who maybe haven't been taught that will find opportunities and solutions where others might not not that i'm preparing them to be competitive but in terms of their valuable contribution to their own lives, that will make them uh, a more valuable human being, shall we say. This is it. It's, it's reframing, isn't it? It's reframing yes. situations. It's there you looking... go. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah, you're, you're teaching them how to reframe context and meaning and um, and pattern interrupt that state. We get yeah. very, let's say like, we're in a state, my nan used to always say to me, oh, I'm in a state, I'm in a state. Well, we're, we're always in a state. It's whether or not it's useful and helpful. <laughs> so sometimes we have to interrupt that state with something random that almost stops people in their tracks. And 100%. That allows us to then reframe whatever they're experiencing so that they yeah. can see a different perspective. I'm going to play this part of the episode to my wife because sometimes I just say stuff like to break state. I'll say something or do something, um, you know, and my kids will be like, what? And I'll be like, I just said, if you were listening, you know, <laughs> that the, the old pattern interrupts. and that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Look, I, I could talk to you all day um, and I want to be super respectful of your time, but also the the listeners too. Um we we've we've feathered into or dovetailed nicely into the the word possibility the infinite possibilities and that for me is what is one of the things that we create when we leave a heart print you'll know what i mean when i talk about the word heart print um it's the legacy it's the ripple effect it's the possibilities that we create through our interactions right even as simple as the power of just one word and and um I would love for you to take a moment to consider what you think the heart print of Mind Tools for Kids will be. Not just now, not just next year, but, you know, when you when you sit and you reflect at, at the end of your days. Oh. Funny because I was listening to one of your episodes, Neil Donald Walsh, and I was listening to the end of his. 
and it just I've always said for me it's about whatever I do wherever I go I want to leave people better than I found them not better for my own ego the only test of it is if they feel better or they are better and that's fine when it was me and now with mind tools for kids I'm learning to create something that's collective with lots of people involved and I think what I want the legacy of that to be is that children the coaches whoever is involved with it walks away knowing that they have everything they need already mm. inside of them you have everything you need mm. it's already there amen that's it i'm just helping you to to see it and to access it more quickly more efficiently when you need it when you want it but it's already there we're already whole all of us we're good enough we're sometimes good sometimes there's something in my garden that just pops out of nowhere and i'm like how did that get there and you gotta think did it did it get put there or has it been there all along it just required the right conditions for that to be brought forward to prove you know and, that, and that's how i see the work that we do is like you say, it's already there, but have the right conditions been created to bring that forward? Definitely. Definitely. One of the um, one of the things that uh, Neil said to me in that conversation about one of the greatest things we could do for another is to is to give themselves back to them, and I want to expand on that heart print by just giving you this perspective, which is, I went to a health optimization summit, and for what was supposed to be a biohacking event, my favorite takeaway from the whole event was this guy called ben greenfield he talked about one of the most important biohacks you can do is is your family meaning like you can do all these types of you know uh crazy things like ice baths or you know nootropics or, or anything he says but if your own family is not healthy there's conflict or he said, don't matter what biohacks you're doing. He said, you're gonna you're gonna feel unhealthy. You're not life's not gonna be great, right? Because there's suffering. So he flipped the perspective on that. And 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 what, one of the things he said is, is you know, the legacy of your parenting, or in this case, your coaching, or whatever it might be, do it with the mindset that you're parenting your grandchildren. He says, because what you're doing is you're role modeling to your children how they should parent in 25 years time so that's the powerful thing that i can see with mind tools for kids is that the true beneficiaries of your service are not those who train to be a coach they're not even those who get coached by your coaches it's everybody that those human beings go on to interact with throughout the rest of their entire life it says that on average, human beings interact with 80,000 human beings in a lifetime. And if you're the ripple effect of your mind tools for kids is that you're creating kids that are more heart centered, more growth mindset, more loving, kind, compassionate, courageous, free thinking, innovative problem solvers, then that ripple effect spans generations. And I'm here for it. And I can't wait to see it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Who wouldn't be motivated to to do that, to be that, to embody that in their work, you know? 
So one final time, if people want to join as a Mind Tools for Kids coach starting 30th of October, 31st of October, how might they do that? Um, there is a link in the show notes. Through. Um, it describes exactly what we're doing. There's a brochure that gives lots of information for people who want all of the meat and bones. Mm. Uh, you can reach out to me. And um, if you want to talk to any of the coaches that have done it, of course, there's lots of us around. But um, get stuck in. Get stuck in and come and join us. Come and be a part of part of this. Love that. You've got a Facebook community as well. I'll shove the links in the show notes. You've got these coaching cards. You've got uh, a book. There's so many. When you say mind tools, you've literally got like 15 years worth of like secrets and sources <laughs> and all the things that you're not keeping to yourself which is wonderful so uh, i have a huge amount of respect and admiration for the work that you put into the world my friend you are a like-hearted sister of mine and um grateful that you're you're here on the show and be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self oh final thought just follow your heart and do the things that you've talked yourself out of doing, the things that are outside of you, the things that will spark joy and brilliance. You've still got time to do it. Lots of love, my friend. Thank you. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.